Amen. Amen. Um, welcome to church this morning. And I would like to, uh, if you are visiting us from, you know, watching us live on Facebook, I'd like to welcome you as well. And please do leave a message, um, write a comment so we know who you are. Um, and we, we continue our series today. So um, before we do that, let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for today. We thank you for bringing us together, your church, to worship you and to listen to your word. So help us this morning as we come to this part of our worship where we listen to your word. Teach us, Lord. Give us a heart of a disciple where you can comfort, where you can rebuke, where you can shape and mold. We are yours and be with us this morning. And we ask this in your son, Jesus' name. And all who believe say, Amen. Now, um, we're currently in the middle of a long series called The Gospel According to John. And if you miss any, because it's a long one, if you miss any, uh, we, we have a recording up on our YouTube page. So I recommend you to subscribe to our YouTube page if you have not, so you get notified when we uploaded a new sermon on it. So last week, we, we look at the identity of John the Baptist. There's two John, so don't get confused. There's John the Evangelist, John who wrote the gospel, and John the Baptist. And we look at John the Baptist last week. We look at the identity of John the Baptist, and we look at how his identity is also our identity, um, identity that has been shaped by the gospel as opposed to modern identity that is shaped by the culture of the day. So that's what we look at last week. And today we're going to finish up on our study on the first chapter of John. Now, uh, in this part of our passage, we'll read, or we have read, and we will look at it again, um, where Jesus called the disciples, um, Jesus' first disciples. And in verse 38, and it says, when, when Jesus saw two of John the Baptist, or the Baptist disciples follow Jesus, following Jesus, Jesus asked them in verse 38, it says, what are you seeking? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Jesus saw the two people, disciples of John, following Jesus, and Jesus asked them, what are you seeking? That's what we're going to address today. Many of you listening are today are followers of Jesus, I believe. And so I like to ask the same questions. Um, why are you following Jesus? Or what are you seeking by following Jesus? So before we look at into detail, uh, I just want to canvas generally that some people seek Jesus for, to, in order to avoid hell and to enter heaven. And these people usually want to follow Jesus as late, as late in their life as possible. And as, in, in other words, as close to their death as possible. Because all they want from Jesus is to avoid hell and enter heaven. And there are other kind of uh, followers of Jesus uh, who, who's not afraid to follow Jesus now, uh, who, who do not wait till, you know, they're close to their deathbed, uh, but they do seek Jesus for divine protection and for favor on earth right now. 
And these people usually follow Jesus based on what Jesus can do for them. And if Jesus asks, why, why are, what are you seeking? They say, well, you know, I'm, I'm seeking your favor. I'm seeking your protection. I'm seeking your healing. So, you know, basically they seek what Jesus can bring to the table into their lives. It's purely business transaction. And when, when it, because it's business transaction, when, it, when the relationship, when, the, um, when it is no longer beneficial for them or profitable for them, they will not hesitate to cut it off because it's purely business transaction. And um, so, but do you see, while, while it's almost, you know, quite different, one is seek for the kind of benefit for afterlife, for eternity, the others for the benefit of today, there, there are similarities between the two. And do you see the similarities there uh, of these two group, two kinds of people? What are they seeking when they follow Jesus? Well, you know, it doesn't matter whether you seek the benefit now up front or later down the track. The core desire of these two kinds of people is the same. How can Jesus improve my life? That's the core desire. I follow Jesus because I believe Jesus can improve the quality of my life, whether today or in this age or in the age to come. Right? The core issue is the same. Now, the world today is telling us to look deep into our hearts, all of us, you know, and, uh, and find out what we desire and, and pursue that dream that we have. You say, follow your dream. Be who you are, right? So that's what the world tell, uh, 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 telling us, indoctrinate us with. They say to us, don't let anyone tell you what you can do or what you cannot do. And, and we bring this belief into our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So from our passage today, where we read about Jesus calling the disciples, we want to see together what, what it is truly, uh, what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus. So to help us this morning, we're going to look at three things. The witness, the response, and the testimony. With the help of John 1, verse 35 to 51. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. The witness. Um, so I'm going to read for us again, verse 35 to 37. John 1, 35 to 37. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Um, notice the next day here. Um, I'm not sure whether you've noticed this. Um, this, is, this is the second time we read the next day, and we're going to read it again, this exact phrase, the next day. So this passage is what we call for momentous day. Right? Uh, this is, uh, whether you notice or not, this is now the third day since the Jews sent the priests and Levites to John the Baptist and asked him, who are you? So this is the third day from that day. Okay, so the next day. So now John the Baptist show us what it means to be a true disciple when he looked at Jesus and said to his 
So this is John the Baptist's disciples, okay? And he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. So John the Baptist, seeing Jesus, tell his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God, referring to Jesus. The first thing we see is this. Being a disciple of Jesus is about our focus. Um, for John, it's clear. His focus is Jesus. His focus is Jesus. And his eyes are just simply fixed on Jesus. He, he witnessed to his disciples and to others about Jesus. So that's his main focus. For John, uh, this witnessing business about Jesus is not his side hobby. It's not side business, but it is his main job. You see, the reason for his very existence of life is to witness about Jesus. Remember earlier on in the chapter and how John the, John the evangelist described John the Baptist? So that's in verse 6 and 7, and it says like this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now, to be Jesus' disciple is to witness about him. And that, that is the primary goal, the main goal, the main task of our life. That means everything else, everything else is secondary. And all these secondary matters are there to serve the main purpose, the main goal. And this requires great humility, doesn't it? To live in this way requires great humility. Well, we, because we no longer strive to, to, to meet or to reach our own goal, to build our own dynasty, you see? We, because, uh, you know, or, or even our own legacy. But we seek to show people, everyone that we meet in our life, the one we serve. So in a world that is so much about self-obsession, uh, self-actualization, this kind of lifestyle, this kind of discipleship uh, lifestyle is alien, is unique, is unheard of, is e it's even despised. Um, for John, he's... Now, imagine, I'm not sure whether you, you, you noticed this. For John to tell his own disciples about this is very, very humbling. It's very selfless. It's like, um, let me try to illustrate, make it, make it more sense to us. It's like, only, imagine you're a baker, owning a bakery, right? And you tell your regular customers who come in every day to your shop and buy your bread because they love your bread. Your fresh, crispy on the outside and soft on the inside kind of bread. And imagine you telling your customer, your regular faithful customers, that hey, there's a baker, baker, a bakery just open next to next door, and he's good. His bread is better than mine. Uh, you know, why why don't you go and shop there instead of here? To in my shop. And that's what John the Baptist is actually saying to his disciples. Say, Behold the Lamb of God. Go and be his disciples. Move away from me. 
And, and that's what John the, John the Baptist says. And, and that is humility. And that's why this kind of lifestyle is alien and despised even to our world today. Because if we live in this way, in, it, it, we basically turn our lifestyle upside down and inside out. It turns our world around. And people will say, our friends, our family will say we are crazy. To live in this way, uh, people will say we're crazy. People close to us, people who love us will say, well, think again. Are you really sure you want to do that? Are you really sure you want to, you know, go to some unknown country, village and spend the rest of your life there? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to give that much? Are you sure? And... People will think we're crazy. So I want to challenge us and perhaps ask each and every one of us uh, this question yourself. Is this, uh, when was the last time people close to you who knows you and look at your life and the decision that you make and say, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Have you think about this carefully? When was the last time people say that to you? Because if you live in this discipleship lifestyle, people will start questioning you. Even your spouse, if you're married, will start questioning you. Your children, your parents, um, your closest friends, people will start questioning you. Are you nuts? Regardless of who we are, where we live and what we do, regardless of our circumstances, we will seek to witness about the light, if we are disciples. Now, some of us, we, we often use uh, circumstantial excuses to not witness about Jesus, right? For example, I'm not married yet, or I'm married, I don't have any children yet, or I have a family now, or I'm still studying, or I'm now busy working, or I work in a hostile environment or I'm in lockdown at the moment or I'm not perfect or this is not my calling, I don't have the talent or I'm not good for this or I'm too good for this. Do you hear that? Regardless, we, we will always find excuses uh, if we want to find an excuse not to witness about Jesus. I'm too young. I don't have any influence or I'm too old. No one will hear me out. You know, regardless, we will always be able to find excuse. Now, of course, in my personal current situation, my, my excuse today could be like, well, you know, in Melbourne, we are in states for lockdown. I can't even see anyone. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give myself a break to witness about Jesus. I'm going to give myself a break to be a disciple of Jesus. See, we, we, regardless of where you are, you can, you can do that. And, and for those in that stage four, can tell people who are not in states for lockdown and say, well, you know, I can't witness about Jesus. I can't be a disciple right now. But you can. You're not in Melbourne, right? We can always find an excuse about that when you're married. You say, you know, I'm now married. Now I have a family. But you don't. You're single. You can do that. We can always find excuses to point people to do it, but not for us to do it. And this led us uh, to second point. And 
See, this is the thing. This is what I want to say on the first point before we move on to the second point. Many people are happy to be Christians, but only a few want to be disciples. Second point, the response. And let me read for us. John 1, 38 to 39. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teachers, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they come and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now, their response is insightful. The, the two disciples of uh, John the Baptist, they asked Jesus, when Jesus said, why are you following me? What are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, the, the word staying here is the word, the Greek word meno, which means abide, to abide or to remain. And, um, and to, to, to that question, Jesus responded or replied to them, come and see. Uh, you ask me where I'm staying, where I abide, where I remain. And Jesus responded, come and see. So what did they do? They, so the Bible says, or what we just read, they came and saw where he was abiding and they abode with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Now, this is a side note um, for those of you who are interested. The 10th hour is 4 p.m. in the afternoon because this is Jewish time and Jewish time start at 6 a.m. in the morning. So the 10th hour is 4 p.m. Now, this can be confusing but because some, because some part of the Bible they use Romans time uh, and Romans time start at midday. So the 10th hour for in, in Romans time will be 10 p.m. And this is, I believe, is Jewish time and it's 4 p.m. So that's just a, a side note there. Uh, so what, but what's happening here when they say, so they came and saw where Jesus was abiding and they abode with him that day for, about, for it was about the 10th hour. Uh, you see, often uh, the the in the Bible, you, we will read that the crowd are gathering and, and following Jesus, right? So we will read that uh, even in John. But, you know, if you're familiar and you've been Christian long enough, you would know that in the Bible, you'll see crowd loves to flock around Jesus and follow him. And often Jesus, rather than enjoying in the crowd, drawing in the crowd even more, oftentimes Jesus want to get away from the crowd. And Jesus prefer to teach a small group privately than to gather crowd. Very different to some uh, pastors or church leaders or you know Christians today. Uh, let me let me read for us uh, from Matthew eight, verse eighteen to twenty. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds, have, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have, has nowhere to lay his head. See, Jesus is not afraid to turn away the crowd or even people who say, Oh, I want to follow you. Jesus are are not, you know, like, oh, come on, come on, follow me. 
uh, he's, he doesn't have that attitude. I said, he even, you know, his selling point is, you know, the son of man doesn't have bed, you know, do you want to follow me? And the reason I believe is Jesus do not seek followers, but he seeks disciples. Do you see that? He doesn't seek the crowd. He seeks those small group of people who wants to listen to him and be his disciples. When the scribe came to him and said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus didn't say, wow, cool. And thank you. And, and I love for you to join me. He didn't say that. And, and we, if you read carefully, it almost sounds like Jesus said, no, you don't. Right? So when the scribe said, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus respond to the scribe is basically, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want to follow me. Um, so let me ask this again. What are you seeking in following Jesus today? Jesus say to those who want to follow him that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And in John 15, so we're going to look at this um, maybe next year um, or year after, maybe a year after, um, the year after next. John 15 verse 20, but so we jump ahead a bit here, quite ahead. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. So to be Jesus' disciple is to, to understand that. When Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, they will persecute you as they have persecuted me and as they will persecute me. See, Jesus don't give them all the benefits of following him in, in you know, uh, like how the church would promote themselves or how Christian would promote, try to sell Jesus. If you follow Jesus, if you, if you come and be part of our church, here are the 10 benefits that you will get. You know, we have excellent children's service from age zero to age 15. We, we cater for everyone, plenty of parking, our food are great, the coffee is excellent. They, Jesus don't do that. Jesus don't show all the benefits. In fact, Jesus say, this is what you must sacrifice in your life if you follow me, if you become my disciples. See, many are followers of Jesus, I believe, but few are his disciples. See, followers enjoy Jesus' moral teaching. Followers like that, love that, but they would filter things out that they don't like, that don't fit their lifestyle. They say, well, yeah, that may sound good for some people, but not for me. That's followers, that's not disciples. When we start filtering out Jesus' commands, that moves us from being disciples to become just a mere follower of Jesus, where we just take what we like and what is good for us. Disciples, on the other hand, they abide, they remain with Jesus, regardless of the risk, regardless of the cost, regardless of the circumstances. That's disciple. So some Christians, even today I notice, they they would happily move church from one church to another because they don't like the crowd they're in. 
They don't like the coffee. They don't like, you know, the people there. And, and they would run at the first sign of, you know, uh, somebody who may, or somebody who insulted them or hurt them. They would run away, a million miles away, because they don't like the people there. Why? Because they are just followers. They're happy to be in the crowds. They see some, some of these are good things. Uh, I'm not just saying these are all bad things. Some of these are good things, but they shouldn't be the ultimate things. They are not the primary things. So what are you seeking in following Jesus today? Because Jesus doesn't seek followers. Jesus seek disciples. This leads us to our third point, the testimony. Do you see the patterns here? Um, what happened? Um, let's read from 39, verse 39 to 40. And he said to them, come and you will see. So this is Jesus. Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, the, it says there's two disciples and John the evangelist named one person, Andrew. Um, who's the other guy? Well, most people believe the other disciple is John the evangelist, the writer of the gospel. So Andrew and John, uh, because John the evangelist do not name himself in this book. And he basically referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So that's the two disciples. Now, notice what happened after these two disciples of John decided not only to follow Jesus, but to abide and remain with Jesus. What happened? Well, in verse 1, he says, He first found, this is Andrew, first found his own brother, Simon whom we know as Peter, uh, Simon Peter, who become more famous than Andrew uh, in the church history, he first found his brother and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And verse 22, and he brought him, he brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter or the rock. <coughs> Now, Andrew first, the Bible say, he first found his brother Simon and told him about Jesus and brought him to Jesus. See, this is the testimony of someone who is a disciple. He first found his brother and told him about Jesus and brought him to Jesus. Um, uh, John 1 verse 43 the next day, pay attention here. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, uh, some English translation, including ESV translation that I'm using, uh, perhaps even in your translation, if you're not using ESV, you would, would read this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and and so on, right? And, and he found Philip and said to him. Now, in the Greek Bible, Greek is the original language. It's the original version, the original Bible. It doesn't say that. 
It doesn't say the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. It says, in fact, like this. This is English translation from Greek, okay? It says this. The next day, he, pronouns he, not Jesus, decided to go to Galilee, and he, pronouns he again, uh, not Jesus, found Philip, and then it says this in Greek. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, I believe that the original Greek is correct and the, what I just read to you, my tra own translation here is accurate in saying that he decided to go and he found Philip. I believe it refers, the he pronouns here refer to Andrew. It does not refer to Jesus. That's why it says explicitly after that, then Jesus said to him, to Simon, follow me. So now, verse 41 makes sense, doesn't it? First, what does verse 41 say? He says, he first, Andrew first found his own brother Simon. And now, Andrew secondly found another person. Do you see that? Do you see the logic of John, the evangelist here? He first found Simon and now he found Philip. Now this is, well, he found his brother Simon first and then he found Philip. This is, this is the lifestyle of a disciple. They would seek people and tell them about the light. And they will tell them about Jesus. And that, that is what happened to Andrew. That's his focus. Now, and in, in um, so he found Simon Peter. He found Philip. And now what happened to Philip? Let's read from verse 45. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, similar message. We have found him who of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, the same thing happened to Philip. He found Nathanael and told him about Jesus. Do you, do you start seeing the pattern here? That's the lifestyle of disciples. Do we have this lifestyle? And in John 4, uh, we, we're going to look at this this year uh, in, in six weeks time in John 4 we'll see that we, we, we can read about a Samaritan woman who encountered Jesus by the well and after the Samaritan sinful Samaritan woman encountered Jesus immediately she went back to her village and told the entire village about Jesus and brought them to Jesus the same pattern now, oftentimes, if we look, now we, we look at this, this Samaritan woman is more disciple than we are, who've been Christian for many years. Because immediately, her response is to tell and find the people she knows, her friends, her brothers, her neighbors, about the Messiah, about the light. And not only telling them and brought them, but brought them to Jesus. And that's what we see here in this passage. So as we come to a close this morning, I want to ask again, are you a follower or a disciple? When was, this, when, when was the last time you, you sought people out and told them about Jesus? When?
See, the disciples' favorite words are this. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see what? Well, come and see Jesus. Not come and see how great I am. Right? But come and see Jesus. See, they would then, in order to have that kind of lifestyle, to the come and see lifestyle, what does it mean? It means you got to open your house. You got to open your heart. You got to open your life to others. You got to be vulnerable. So you got to open your wallet. You got to be vulnerable. So it costs you. Why? Because only then people can come and see Jesus. See, the reason I believe many are happy to be followers but not disciples is because they're afraid to let go of control in their lives. They, they want to be in the driver's seat. They don't want some sort of, you know, uh, God of the Bible to tell them how to live their life. They want the God of the Bible to control perhaps a little bit of their life. But that little bit is something that they would let God have control of. You know how control freak we are. God, you can take control of this part of my life. But when it comes to my job, no, I, I still want to have control of that. Okay, God, you can control my job. But as com- when it comes to my family, um, you know, I don't want you to do anything there. Or you can have control of everything, but when it comes to my finances, uh, you know, I I like to have control of that. We we pick and choose. We we still want to be in the driver's seat. We want to give an illusion that Jesus has control. Jesus is Lord. But actually, no. We pick and choose what we let Jesus to have control of our lives. See, what happened to disciple is G- disciple gives the key to Jesus and they say, Jesus, be my king, be my Lord. I'm no longer in the driver's seat. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. Whatever mine is yours. John the Evangelist opened the book of the gospel according to John, uh, explaining to us that Jesus is the author of our life. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and Jesus was God. What does it mean? It means that Jesus is not merely a good moral teacher where we listen to some of his teaching, uh, and then we decide whether we want to follow or not, and we pick the one that is good for us, and we reject that things that Jesus say that, that is not suitable for our lifestyle. It's not. Jesus is not just merely a good moral teacher. He never claimed to be just a good moral teacher. Jesus said he is God. He's the, the only begotten son of God. Jesus is not merely our ticket to heaven, uh, let alone to be our butler to make us happy or to make us rich. If you're married, um, because the, the reason is, this is ridiculous. If, if you understand, if we understand who Jesus is, some of our lifestyle are ridiculous. We have insulted the creator, the author of our life, 
with our lifestyle. And let me explain. If, if you are married, can you imagine asking your spouse to serve you always? The reason that you are married, the purpose that you have a spouse is for your spouse to serve your needs and to make you happy and to make you fulfilled in your life. Now, what kind of relationship that will make? Let me, I can tell you what it'll make. It'll, it won't make you a, a, a happy person. It's not going to make a happy marriage. And that's only to, to a spouse, to a, an equal partner in life, to another person, not to God the Almighty. Now, if, if you're not married, imagine asking your parents to serve you and to make you happy. And the sole reason that you're still living in the house with your parents is so that you know your parents can cook for you and can provide for you and can serve you and serve your needs and make you happy. That will not make a happy household. That will piss your parents off. And somehow we think that's ridiculous, but it is not ridiculous just to be a mere follower of Jesus and treating Jesus, the God of the Creator, the author of our life, to serve our needs. We want to be a follower, but not a disciple. Don't we think that's, odd? that's ridiculous? Now, if Jesus, if what John the, John the Evangelist says is true, that Jesus was in the beginning with God, and He was God, What do you seek in following Jesus? Now, let me, let me close in saying this. Jesus' word in verse 51, the last verse of John 1. And he said to him, to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, truly, truly is amen, amen. This is, Jesus will say this a few times. Amen, amen. That this will is true. Amen is to in agreement uh, to a, a true statement. So usually when we respond, we would say amen at the end, but Jesus always say in the beginning and he double saying it, amen, amen, or truly, truly, uh, or, or some translation would say verily, verily, uh, but yes, we say truly, truly, or amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Great things you will see in your life. Sometimes we, we are too easily pleased. The great thing in life for us is to have much in life, to have a good career, to have a, a, a good children, to have good income, to have a good house, to have, to have a big house, to have a nice car to drive. And Jesus said, I say to you, we'll see the heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the sun. Of man, this is a picture of the, the the Jacob's ladder in found in Genesis. You will see the glory of God, the magnificence of God in your life as you live a life of a disciple. So let us not be too easily pleased with what the world can offer us. And I want to close with the same question. How I often, how I open this sermon today. What are you seeking in following Jesus?
let us sing to the Lord.